This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. We can learn powerful spiritual truths from the simplest of things. Jesus told the story about a uh, camel going through the eye of a needle. That was meant to be a joke. And uh, some of them got it, some of them didn't get it. We have a movie here that we want you to watch called The Chicken and the Egg. Throughout the month of uh, February, we've been talking about love. And um, we talked about the theory of love. Uh, really, the theory of the Bible uh, is all summed up in one, one or two verses. Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, and he said that our greatest command was to love God with all our heart, and the second greatest command was to love our neighbor as ourselves. Everything is summed up in those two verses. That's the theory. How many know that it's hard to put that into practice every day? There are people who sometimes are not very lovable, and it's hard to love them. There are some people that, in fact, are downright irritating, and it's hard to love them. But Jesus says that's our one command, is to love people, love our neighbor, to love people as we love ourselves. And uh, it's difficult. In fact, we said last week it's downright impossible, because you and I are selfish, and we, we love ourselves, but we really don't love other people. But God says through the scriptures that his love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The only way we can do the things that God tells us to do is by allowing God to love through us. And so he tells us to do things like love your enemy. Like who in the world would do that? Love people who use you and abuse you. That's crazy. And love people who hurt you over and over and over again. And how many times in the world do I have to forgive them? Seven times? No, Jesus said 70 times. You never stop. That's a kind of love that you and I cannot drum up on our own. That's a kind of love that just doesn't come naturally. It only comes supernaturally as we allow God to work through us. So we read the story, or I should say, watch the story of the chicken and the egg. Pretty simple. The pig loves eggs, but he meets and falls in love with a chicken. They become married, and now he's forced to choose. Do I love my wife, or do I love my eggs? What am I going to choose? And we recognize that when you love somebody, you are changed. Love changes us. That's our theme today. Love changes us in ways that sometimes we could never have imagined, certainly never would have planned or thought of. I've talked to some of you, and you've told me stories of uh, city people marrying into farm families. Somebody told me once they remembered the day they drove out to the farm for the first time and wondered where in the world they were going as they come out from the city of Edmonton. Where in the world are you taking me to? I've heard stories like that. I've heard stories of sports people marrying non-sports people. People who love to watch a baseball game or a football game and they marry somebody who hates watching sports. And so there's some accommodation that has to be made. I, I know in the, the Crystal family it's, uh, it's a car race.
place, and I understand. And so you have to accommodate for one another, and you have to choose, and you have to allow for each other. Sometimes you have to watch things maybe that you don't want to watch because you love somebody. Personally, I was a very picky eater growing up. Uh, my, my mom was not a great cook. She was an awful cook, if I'm flat out honest. Uh, we know what t I knew what TV dinners were. Some of you have never had a TV dinner in your life. I knew what they were. My mom never grew a garden, never had vegetables on the plate, and if we did, I hated them. And then I married Elaine. And uh, she cooks her own bread, she grows this garden all the time. And I honestly think, just take a look at the weight of the evidence, I think I've accommodated myself pretty good to her. In fact, I think I've done more accommodating than she has. Don't tell her, she's somewhere else, but I just think you just have to take a look and see that that's the truth. Throughout the Bible, we are told that God loves us over and over and over again. Please do not fall into the mistaken notion that the Old Testament tells us about the law of God and the New Testament tells us about the love of God. From page one all the way through to the end, we are told that God loves us and God cares for us and, and God gives to us. Uh, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, we're told that he has loved us with an everlasting love. Just think about that for a moment. God loves you with an everlasting love. It never stops. It never quits. It never ends. No matter what you do, he loves you. He cares for you. It continues on and on and on throughout the days, throughout your weeks, throughout the years of your life. God loves you with an everlasting love. How does knowing God loves you so much change you? It should change us. Knowing that God loves us should change us. First of all, it should change how we see ourselves. Knowing that the God of the universe, the creator God of the universe, loves you. In fact, there are scriptures where it says that God knows you by name. He knows the very hairs on your head are numbered. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. What does that do to change you? It should change the way you look at yourself. And we, we have people that are striving to get love from anybody. Anybody love me. Please love me. I'm looking for love someplace. There are people that go through their whole lives looking for somebody to love them. There are some people who wonder for years and years and years, sometimes even stuck in a marriage, does anybody really love me? And they wonder about that and they talk about that. We are loved by Almighty God with an everlasting love. A God who knows everything about us and he values us so much that he loves us so much. Wow, that's incredible. We need to just sit back and think about that. You know in the Old Testament there's a book called the Song of Solomon. I don't know if you've read it. The Song of Solomon is a love poem. It's about the love between a man and a woman. And believe me, it's got some very explicit language. So explicit in fact that some people throughout history have questioned whether or not Song of Solomon should even be in the Bible. Now I know for a fact that some of you have never read Song of Solomon. And because of what I've just said to you, you're going to go home and think and read Song of Solomon, perhaps for the first time. And don't be shocked by what you read. It's very plain. It's, it's about the love between a man and a woman. And it's incredible. And it's, it's full of praise and and. and 
descriptions that just really don't fit on a Sunday morning pulpit sermon. <laughs> we understand the love between a man and a woman. That we understand. But to say that God loves us like that? Really? God loves us like that? That's why Song of Solomon's in the Bible. Yes, it teaches about love between a man and a woman, but its primary purpose is to teach us this is how much God loves you. This is how much God cares for you. And so when we think about that, it's almost amazing. Can God really love me that much? The Apostle Paul, in Ephesians chapter 4, talks about uh, relationships between a husband and a wife, and he talks about how deep the relationship was, but he says that's only a small picture of the love that God has for you. It's only a small little slice of what you need to know about the fact that God loves you. God loves you that much. And when you understand that God loves you that much, you begin to see yourself differently. Alfred Hitchcock made movies back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, and you probably saw some of them. If you ever watched Birds, that was an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Scary and all that kind of thing. But he made a movie in 1956 called The Legacy. It wasn't one of his better-known movies, but it was intriguing. It was the story of Howard and Irene Cole. They were on an extended vacation to Palm Springs. They were wealthy. They were socialites. They fit in with wealthy people. They associated with wealthy people. They sat by the pool and they drank their drinks. And, and oh, they, it was such a wonderful lifestyle, but the people that were there began to notice there was something odd about Howard. Howard never spent time with his wife. He always spent time with the younger, prettier women. He went golfing with them. He ate with them. He danced with them. And people began to think, something's wrong. In fact, somebody even went and talked to, to Irene and said, this is not right what your husband's doing. And she would defend her husband. She would explain, well, we have a love, and you just have to understand our relationship. And he continued to do it. Until one weekend at the resort, a man comes sweeping into the resort. He's known as Prince Burnham. He's a, a prince from a far-off country. He's wealthy. He's good-looking. He's a bon vivant. He's the life of the party. He's a playboy. Everybody wants to know the prince. But for some reason, the prince takes Irene into his eye. And he begins to look at her and care for her and spend time with her. Spends a lot of time with her. They go out to eat. They take walks along the beach together. It becomes scandalous, so much so that the people now are worried about Irene having an affair with the prince. And they begin to talk to him. And she says, listen, you don't understand our relationship. And the prince even goes so far as to say to Irene, after just several days, I love you so much, I want you to marry me. I want you to come away with me and be my wife. If you don't do it, I'll kill myself. Never listen to that kind of garbage. That's not love. And Irene understood. And she turned down the prince. And a few days later, the prince's body was found. And he killed himself. Irene and Howard went home. After their holiday, they went home. And uh, a reporter who knew the story, knew some of the events of the story, went to talk to Irene and tell her some of the story about the prince and what he had done and just asked about it. And he 
thought that he would find this rather plain, um, repressed woman. Instead, she was loving and caring and beautiful looking, had a great smile on her face. She was amazed. And he wondered what happened, and she told him. She says, I was loved by somebody that everybody else wanted to love, but he picked me. He loved me. And it changed the way she looked at herself. It changed the way she reacted. You are loved by the Prince of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of all the earth. He loves you so much. He has chosen you to be his child. It should change the way you look at yourself. You're not just a nobody. You're not just a nameless person. God cares for you so much. Not only does love change how we look at ourselves, but of course it changes how we look at other people. This God who loves us and values us and cares for us so much also tells us that he loves other people. He loves people that are different than us. And he teaches us that because he loves us, we should love others. And we are reminded every once in a while that we are God's family. Be we rich or poor or different, we look different, sound different, talk different. We are God's family. God loves all of us. God cares for all of us. And so when the Bible talks about the church, she's talking about God's body working together, supporting one another, encouraging one another, connecting with one another because we love one another. The whole Bible indicates that when you understand the love of God, it goes beyond you to you beginning to show God's love to other people. That's why it's so sad to see bullies, whether they be in school or at work or even in church. Bullies, sadly, are striving for love. They don't know that they're loved, and they have a hard time loving themselves, and so they become critical and bullying of everybody else. They've got to have their way. It's only going to be their way, and they've got to look for attention all the time because they don't understand that they're loved. They don't grasp how much God loves them already. And of course, love changes the way we act. It changes the way we talk. It changes the way we, we think, but it results in people who are giving and forgiving and show respect to one another. It means we talk, stop talking about people behind their backs because we love them. We stop criticizing, we stop backbiters and gossips and bullies because they all fall in the same category, people who don't know how to love. They don't know how to love. And they're sad, sad people because they're fighting for respect and they don't understand that God loves them so much already. The love of God changes everything about us, or it should. It should. D.L. Moody, Dwight Lyman Moody, was a preacher in the 1800s, a world-renowned preacher. He established one of the great evangelical churches in Chicago, but he literally preached around the world. And in a time when the only way you got around the world was by ship, he spent a lot of time traveling the world, preaching the gospel as one of the greatest evangelists of all time. He preached about God's judgment. He preached about how God uh, uh, hated sin and, and people needed to come and repent to God and People were saved literally by the thousands around the world. It says in the story, history says that while he was traveling in England, he met a, another preacher, a rather inexperienced preacher. 
somewhat unknown by the name of Henry Moorhouse. He had come from a very rough family, very difficult family. By the time he was 16 years of age, he was a gang leader in some of the toughest sections of London, England. He was a gambler, he, he hurt people, he took money from people, but he was not happy. He was unhappy. In spite of just 16 years of age, in spite of all that he had accomplished as far as stuff, he wasn't happy. And it's said that he used to carry a gun around him all the time. Not so much for protection from others, but when life got as bad as he could take it, he would use the gun to end his own life. And then one day, somebody invited him to church. And for the first time, he heard the gospel, that God loved him. And this 16-year-old gang leader, his life was transformed by the love of God. The gang leader becomes a preacher. And he preaches and preaches and preaches. And in England and Ireland and in that area, he was starting to develop a name for himself when Moody shows up. Moody's known around the world. And so they're introduced and, and Moorhouse... <laughs> somewhat with brashness of youth, says, Mr. Moody, someday I'd like to preach in your church. And Moody, in England, thinks Moorhouse is never going to get to Chicago. And so he says, yes, sure. Several years later, who should show up in Chicago? <laughs> but Mr. Moorhouse... And he's come expecting to preach. And Moody's not expecting him. And Moody's, in fact, getting ready to leave town on another trip. And um, he doesn't know what to do. But finally he says, well, I'll let you preach one Sunday. You can preach one Sunday. And uh, when I'm gone. And so Moody goes away for two weeks. And when he comes back, he's told by his wife that that Henry Moorhouse is still preaching in the church. And he says, what do you mean he's still preaching in the church? What's, what's he doing? Well, they invited him back. People, the, the attendance has gotten bigger. After just one week, more people have been in church than ever before. Why? Don't understand why. What's, what's so different about him? Well, he's preached for two Sundays. And all I know is, both Sundays, his text was John 3, 16. That's all he preaches. Moody went to hear him on the third Sunday. <laughs> sat in the audience and heard him preach again on John 3, 16. In fact, seven Sundays in a row, Henry Moorhouse preached only on one verse of Scripture, John 3, 16. And history records, Moody himself records, that he was changed by the love of God. For years, he had been preaching about uh, God's judgment and how God was going to judge sin, how he hated sin, but he never fully understood the love of God. And he began to preach about God's love. He began to talk about God's love. And his life was drastically changed. His message was changed. And they say that in the years, in the ensuing years, more people came to know Jesus during the latter time of his life than during the first time of his life. He became even more popular, and more and more people came to know Jesus. Today I want to do something different. I'm... Uh, I recognize my, uh, my weaknesses. All week long I've been thinking I want to preach on John 3.16 and realizing that 
adequately. I, I can't do it very well. And so I was looking around and I found something. I want you to hear a man preach on John 3.16. A man who is probably one of the best preachers known in the, ninth, in, in the, in the uh, last century and into, into 2000. Uh, some of you know his son or know a little bit about his son. His son, uh, Franklin, became uh, the head of Samaritan's Purse. And Franklin, of course, is the founder of all the crystal shoe boxes. I'm talking, of course, about Billy Graham. Just take a listen to Billy Graham speaking about the love of God. Will you take just a watch this movie? Do you understand that God loves you? It changes the way you live. It changes the way you see yourself changes the way you see others. And it requires an action. Love always requires a response. Some of you are here today and you need to surrender your lives to Christ. Maybe like Billy Graham, you've been a part of church, but you've never really surrendered to Jesus. Some of you need to change the way you treat other people. You've forgotten that when God so loved the world, that means... He loves the people you don't like. He loves the people that you find it difficult to deal with. God loves them just as much as he loves you. You see, that's one of, probably one of the biggest mistakes we make is that we forget that God loves the people outside the church just as much as he loves the people inside the church. We forget that. We think somehow we have it in with God. We have a special connection with God. I've had people say to me, oh, the pastor, you have a special connection with God. Would you pray for me? And I have to say to them, I have no special connection with God. God loves you as much as he loves me. And God will listen to your prayer and listen to the cry of your heart as much as he'll listen to my prayer. Some of you today need to surrender to Jesus Christ. It's been a long time. And you've heard it, and you've heard it, and you've heard it, and you keep putting it off. And you keep thinking, well, just because God loves me, I guess I'm okay. No, it demands a response. And we need to change. We need to change and let God's love flow through us to other people. We need to change the way we treat others and talk about others and care for others. We sang it earlier today. If God is for us, who can be against us? When God stands on your side, man, there's nothing, nothing that can be opposed. Know that God is for you today. And then we sang a song earlier today that we're going to close with and and sing it again. The worship team's going to come. We sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your love is amazing, steady, and unchanging. Your love is what makes us worshipers. It's the love of God that prompts us to sing. That's why sadly, I'm, I'm not, I can't say for absolutely certain, but sadly some people who just don't know how to praise God, I wonder if they truly know the love of God. I wonder if they truly know what it is to be loved down to the very tiptoes of their being. That God knows them and yet still loves them. Because when you do that, when you have that kind of awareness, you can't help but sing a new song to the Lord. You can't help but lift your voice and your heart and everything you are to God because he loves you so much. We're going to ask our prayer team to come right away as we sing this song and just spread yourself across the frontier. Somebody come over to this side and on this side. And uh, as we sing, some of you need to come to Christ. You need to talk to somebody today and ask Jesus to come into your heart. And these people would love to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus. Some of you just need prayer. And there's maybe somebody that God's been talking about and you've not been very loving, very kind to them. Maybe a marriage. 
Who knows what it is? I don't know. But God's saying something needs to change. Love changes us, especially God's love. So we're going to stand and sing this song. And as we sing it, prayer team, please come and make yourselves available. And uh, you feel free to come if you'd like prayer. We're going to sing it through a couple times, and then we'll dismiss our service.